Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. God's yes is still his yes. So the question is, what has become of our yes? So what do I mean by that? Well, God's word never changes. And if he gave us a word, we get a word from God. We got a word from God. We're excited. We're pumped. We're committed to it. And then over time, that yes starts to wane, starts to look a little different, starts to become weary. And so God's yes cannot come to pass, not be fulfilled in our lives if our yes doesn't remain. Right? We're in worship, we're in a corporate setting, or we're even in our own living room. God speaks to us personally. He gives us a dream. He gives us a vision. What, whatever, there's so many ways the Lord can speak to you. It, he confirms it through a prophetic voice. We're in a corporate setting and corporate worship, even just giving our lives to Him, our hearts to Him. And, and so we're in that moment. We're caught up in that moment and we're telling God, yes, right? We, probably most of us have your way in my life, Lord. I yield my heart to you. I give you all. Nevertheless, you know, no matter what it takes, you know, my whole life, all my days, however you phrased it, we would all probably put it differently. I, um, I give myself away. There's a song out called that. I give myself away, you know, like, so my desires I put aside and we do, but do we take ourselves back? And maybe not fully, completely, but in some areas. So now God's yes cannot be fulfilled in our life because we have not remained in our yes. If you've listened to my podcast before, you know, I always say we have our portion and we always will. And we always do from the very first step from salvation. Is it freely given to us? Yes, but we have to receive it. So you know, we get to this place and, and things get difficult and I get it, but we allow ourselves when things get difficult, we give permission to be tossed to and fro. And so we have to genuinely look inward and ask ourselves when we're frustrated that something we feel God promised us has not been fulfilled in our lives. We have to look inward first. We tend to look outward first in pretty much every situation in our life. The more difficult thing is to look inward. So has our yes remained when our flesh wanted satisfaction? When our flesh just wanted enjoyment or was frustrated and wanted to act out, was angry and wanted to act out, wanted to respond in the flesh, when you simply just said one way or another, I really don't care right now. I just, I want to do what I want to do. Whether it's spout off at the mouth, whether it's go out and do something in um, a physical sin. I, I don't know how else to put that, I guess. But so, you know, I guess whether it's a physical sin or an emotional sin, that's probably a better way to put that. 
have we said, I really don't care right now. And then, you know, three weeks later, we're wondering why God isn't moving on our behalf. You know, and I say this a lot. If you've got kids, would you do that with your kids? The expectations you put on God, would you do that as a parent with your own kids? No, you wouldn't. I wouldn't. I guess I shouldn't answer for you, but I certainly wouldn't. So I, so I want to ask you today, what has become of your yes? If there has been delay in your life, I can promise you this. It's not God. He's not intentionally delaying to frustrate you. He's not intentionally delaying to disappoint you. He's not doing that. If, he's, if there's delay in my life, I got to look at Linda. I got to say, I must not be ready. I'm not ready. I haven't done whatever has needed to be done, specifically in my own heart. Have I done what's needed to be done in my own heart? See, it's on me. I'm not ready for it or it would already be upon me. Anything I'm going through, any contending I have to do, any pressing in I have to do, any standing I have to do is about preparation for the fulfillment of the yes of God in my life, his plans and purposes in my life. And I will say this, you know, it's not always us, right? It's not always, sometimes it is another person Most times it's us, but sometimes God's doing a work in somebody else and it doesn't have anything to do with us. And so if we're waiting and we know we've yielded our heart and we've asked the Lord to inspect our heart, right? And and he hasn't shown us or whatever he's shown us, we continue to work on. Then we just have to trust him in the waiting. Maybe he's working on someone else or something else. Maybe they're not ready for our yes to be fulfilled. He's got us situated, but he's working on the other person. He's working on a part of them that can play into things. I promise you this, whatever God's yes to you was, he will do it. He wants to do it and he can do it. So we have to ask ourselves, what's the delay? I always ask God this. When I'm in a situation where I feel like there's delay, I feel like I'm in my due season, but my due season is not here. I'm not reaping. I always ask the Lord, show me the truth of this situation. In every area, I have to step back. I might might react in the moment, but then I pull myself in. I step back. And before responding again, I said, I say, Lord, you show me the truth of this. Is this just Linda being frustrated or is there really something going on here? Are you showing me something in my heart I need to deal with? Or maybe I'm good in whatever situation I find myself in that may be difficult. Maybe God's trying to deal with someone else's heart. But we do have to ask him and we do have to know the truth of situations. First and foremost, Is it something in me? Have I done something? Have I not done something? Do I need to apologize to someone? Do I need to forgive someone? Do I need to seek forgiveness from the Lord? Do I need to repent? We should be the first person we look at, right? You know know that saying, check yourself before you wreck yourself. We have to check ourselves first. Look inward before you look outward. And this goes against society. 
because society points outward first. It's uncomfortable for us to check inward first, but one thing is certain, God is not concerned with our comfortableness. That's a promise. He's concerned with our freedom. He's concerned with fulfillment of plans and purposes. He's concerned with salvation. How do we know? Well, Galatians 5.1 tells us exactly why Christ came down and allowed himself to be crucified on the cross and rose again. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I mean, if I could bold and highlight and underline and italicize for you through my voice, it would be the words, let and again, and slavery, those three. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do not let. That word let right there in that scripture verse means give permission. So do not give permission for yourselves to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I promise you something. You know, we, and we all were slaves to something. Something had all of us bound up. Something had all of us on lockdown. Something had all of us not reaching and walking in our potential. All of us. There's not one person. So whatever you were a slave to before, before you stepped into freedom, before you stepped into salvation, you better guard yourself in that area. Because... That's where the enemy is going to come creeping back up your neck. He's not going to go to an area that does not tempt you, that has not been a snare before. And your yoke of slavery is different than my yoke of slavery. We have to be careful to not look at someone else's behavior and think they're doing something wrong because we had a struggle and an issue in a particular area, but they didn't. I'm not talking about stuff that's straight up sin. So do not let, you're the one that knows. We all know what our inner struggles were, especially before we walked with the Lord. We know that. And he puts a demand on us to walk in holiness, be holy for I'm holy. If it's not holy, it's unholy to God. There's no gray area with him. So we got to know what his truth is on that. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. But whatever you were a slave to before, You stepped into your freedom with the Lord. Guard yourself in that area. I can't give enough warning to that. Don't give permission to it again, to bind you up, to hold you down, to weigh you down again. Don't give permission to it again. You're the only one that can give permission to a yoke of slavery to be put on you again. We have to know what our yoke of slavery is. We have to be able to recognize it and not give permission for it to bind us up again. That's how we stay in freedom. That's how we stay in our yes. And that's how we walk out the fulfillment of the Lord. We have to know what our yoke of slavery is, be able to recognize it. And if we're unsure, ask God to show us. We have to know our own hearts. We're all very distracted about judging other people's hearts and we don't even know our own heart. What was your reason? What's your motive? Why? 
Know your heart. In order to know your heart, don't think you won't know your own heart. You have to ask God to show you your heart. That's where we get messed up sometimes. We think we know our own heart. Jeremiah 17 tells us we don't. Tells us our own hearts are wickedly deceitful above all else. Who can know it? But I, the Lord, I'm the one that searches the hearts of man. And I'm kind of paraphrasing there. We better ask the Lord to show us the issues of our heart. I mean, David, my goodness, he cried out continually, clean hands and a pure heart, Lord. That was the cry. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. You know, show me, Lord, if there's any evil way in me, any wicked way in me, who can ascend the throne of God? Those with clean hands and a pure heart. David, you know, he wasn't perfect. We're not going to be perfect either. The thing about David was he was quick to repent where I think we muddle around in our pride a little bit, justifying, excusing, uh, pointing outward. Well, you know what? No, point inward, look inward, repent, stay humble, stay in your yes so God can fulfill his yes in your life. Show me, Lord, show me, show me me all the time. You got to pray that all the time. God's yes has never changed. If he said it, it's still there, right? He's not a man that he should lie. His word's not coming back to him unfulfilled. It's not. So what has become of our yes? Did we get tired of waiting on it? Did we get tired of working towards it? God's yes is going to put a demand on us. And we're going to have to have some staying power to walk in the yes of God for our lives. God wants you to give permission to him and not permission to the yoke of slavery. It's one or the other. I, I, want you to, I want you to hear that. God wants you to give permission to let him and not permission to the yoke of slavery, to not let that come around again. Let God have his way. And don't let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. I promise you this, you're giving permission to something or someone in your life. So you have to ask, who or what is it? And if you don't have the answer, ask God to show you. God wants you to give permission. Will you do it? Will you give God permission to move on his yes? Because truthfully, his yes doesn't matter if we don't give permission to it in our lives. You know, a great example is marriage. You know, I, I, so when I met my husband, right, I was in love with him when we were dating and we met and I was in love with him and I thought he was amazing, right? And now he proposes to me, I have to say yes. And then I have to walk that yes out. If I don't say yes, we're never getting married. And my yes also had some risk to it. It took love. It took faith, hope, and trust. When I said yes to my husband asking me to marry him, did I know 30 years later I'd be looking at a solid marriage? Did I know that I could 100% trust him, that he would be loyal, that he would be honorable, that he would be a, a great a man of God, a great husband, and a great father? Did I have a, did I have a, I thought he'd be all those things, but did I have a guarantee he'd be all those things? No, I had to take some risk with my yes. 
And even in the difficult seasons, I contended and remained and stayed in that yes. It's the same with God. We have to say yes to him. We have to give permission to him. And we're going to feel like we're taking a risk. And it's going to take love. And it's going to take faith and trust and even hope. And it's going to take some remaining and standing and contending in those difficult seasons. It's going to take, just like in marriage, crucifying our flesh, you know, not doing or saying what we want to do or say, because we know that's not the best thing in the moment. Not satisfying our flesh at the cost of the other. It's the same with God. It starts with saying yes to him and giving him permission. He won't if you don't. He won't fulfill your yes if you don't stay in your yes. I think we give our yes to God sometimes and then simply we just get weary in our well-doing. And Galatians 6, 9 warns against this. Do not get weary in well-doing. Do not get weary in your well-doing. For in due season... We'll reap if we do not give up. Some say if we do not faint. Let us not grow weary. Don't give permission to weariness. Of what? Of doing good. (laughs) You're doing good. That's when it's hard. That's why that scripture's there with that warning. It's hard when we're walking and doing and we know we're positioned. We know what we're supposed to be, where we're supposed to be. Our hearts are before the Lord. That's well-doing. Don't grow weary in that. Continue on. God knows. Because it says in due season. God's not going to let your due season pass you by when you have not gotten weary in it. That's what this is. It's a promise of this. Don't get lazy about God's yes in your life or you'll never see God's yes in your life. If you don't grow up, I'm sorry, if you don't grow weary, we got to grow up. (laughs) If you don't grow weary, if you don't give up, you'll see the fulfillment of God's yes in your life. How are we going to do that? Because we're clearly warned against the weariness. Well, we got to stand. We got to contend like I've been saying. But how? The awesome thing about the Word of God is it always tells us how to do something, what to do. It always tells us. It doesn't tell us just to stand and stand therefore. It tells us how. The word of God is so reliable, it tells us all we need to know. And Ephesians 6, 13 through 18 tells us not only to stand, but how to stand. Therefore, take up the whole, not a missing piece, the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, guess what? Stand firm. Stand therefore. How? By having fastened the belt of truth. Before we get into the armor of God, I want to say this. We can't leave any piece out. When we leave one piece of the armor of God out, there's now a maybe in our yes. That's why the verse says the whole armor. Some translations, the full armor. However they word it, right? We have to make sure no piece is missing. If there's no shield of faith, now there's a maybe. If there's no belt of truth, now there's a maybe in our yes. There's wiggle room there. In order to see his yes become fulfilled in our lives, 
not our yes, but his, we're going to have to do effective battle, not just swinging aimlessly at the air. We'll make a mess of things. We'll get tired. We'll be weary in our well-doing. How do we know what to swing at? Show me the truth, God. Show me the truth of this situation. So I want to go through these just for a minute, but I wanted to say that before we got started, right? Okay, so the put on the belt of truth, buckled around your waist. What does that mean? Walking out God's truth. Know the word of God. Know God. Know his heart. Know his intent in scripture. Don't take one verse out of the middle of a whole book or a whole chapter and apply it to whatever you want to apply it to. Understand what he was saying, even culturally during that time. What was that verse saying and how does it apply to me now in my day and age? We have to know the truth. And by doing that, we know him. And it's going to take some time, just like knowing anybody in our lives. To know God, to know his truth, we're going to have to spend time with him. And we're going to have to be sure to make sure it's his truth and not our truth. Another thing about the belt of truth It's commitment to integrity. It's character in your life, in every area of your lives. I I said this earlier, it's holiness. You know, we can't pick and choose. We've got to walk according to his full word. What does God say? So the next is with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So we've put the belt of truth buckled around our waist. Now we have the breastplate of righteousness in place. Again, this is character. Righteousness is right standing with God. That's holiness. God demands integrity and holiness in our lives. We're talking about godly character here in right relationship with God, in right standing, able to approach the throne of God, the clean hands again, the pure heart again, right? Who can ascend that throne? The next thing it says in Ephesians 6 is to have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Believing and boldly proclaiming God's truths, again, not ours, knowing what he says about every circumstance and being ready in and out of season to speak on that, on what God says, not what you think, not what I think, not what somebody else thinks. It's not what we think. It's what does God's truth say? And let's not Try to get as close to those blurry lines that we want to get. We make them blurry. Let's not try and get as close to those and endanger ourselves to become uh, burdened again by that yoke of slavery. No, turn it. Why are you playing with fire? Turn and run as far away as fast as you can. In addition to all this, I'm back in Ephesians 6. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith. Why? Because it extinguishes the fiery dots of the evil one. There Again, this is the same thing as not getting weary. Fiery dots are coming. We should not be surprised. That's what the shield of faith does. It's believing and claiming God's yes. Lining our words up with his yes and standing firm against every fiery dot that tries to take us out, whether it's trying to destroy us or distract us. Be in faith. Faith and doubt, they can't hang out together. They, they can't hang out together. You can't have light and darkness in a room. Light shows up, darkness has left. When d- doubt shows up, faith has left. They just can't hang out together. 
As soon as you entertain doubt, faith has left the room. Never speak against what you know God's yes was. Never speak against it no matter how opposite it looks in your life. Every single word we speak is giving someone or something authority in our life. When we speak God's yes, we're releasing it into the airways. We're giving God authority to move on it. Our words give permission one way or the other. We can give authority in our life to be released and our words are a reflection of what our heart believes. Luke 6.45 tells us this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know where your heart is? You're not sure? Listen to your own words. You want to know where somebody else's heart is? Just listen to their words. They're going to reveal their heart. Just let them talk. It doesn't take long and you can see where people's hearts are. Your words will always reveal you to yourself and to others. Are your words lining up with what God has said in faith or are they laced with doubt? Again, death and life are in the tongue. Both things are in our tongue. We can speak death or life to the very yes we are waiting on. Now, the helmet of salvation, being renewed in your mind, being refreshed in the word, being in prayer, fellowship with Jesus, be in the word, be in worship. Our minds are so powerful They can talk our heart right out of something our heart genuinely wants. That's why Romans 12, 2 tells us to renew our minds daily. Our minds are powerful. And also in Romans 12, 2, it tells us by renewing our minds, this is how we know the will of God. This is how we'll know the will of God in his yes to us. Our minds are very, very strong. Know the word, know God's truth, study it out, know what, like I said earlier, know what he intended, which leads us right into the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's our most powerful weapon because it is God speaking through us. It's being on the offense while defending your position. And the enemy will try and twist God's word in our mind, which is why the helmet of salvation is so important. That's why it's important to renew our mind. Put that yes before you. Write it down. Put it in front of you. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Put it on your steering wheel. Whatever you got to do. The enemy's going to try and put little slithery doubts in your mind. He did it to Eve. He'll do it to us. And her mistake was conversing with the devil. This is all in Genesis 3. Did God really say? Is that what he really wanted? Is that what he really meant? Was that really, and I'm adding, you know, I'm paraphrasing this. Was that really his, he just put enough doubt in her mind and she started conversing with the devil. And next thing you know, she's eating the apple. She's doing the very thing God said not to do. That's how it happens. No, tell the enemy no. Be like Jesus. Jesus was tempted just like Eve was, right? In Matthew 4, 1 through 11, no, fight it off like Jesus did and speak the truth of God's word and power just like Jesus did. In Matthew 4, at verse 1, it says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and nights, he was hungry. 
And that's when the tempter comes up, when he knows we're weak. Not when we're strong, not when when we're down at the altar weeping and saying yes and worshiping and we're surrounded by a support system and believers. That's not when he's showing up. He's going to wait till we're hungry or frustrated or discouraged, defeated, hurt. If you're this if, see, he's trying to put doubt in there, right? In uh, chapter four, verse three, if you're the son of God, but Jesus answers him, it is written. Verse five, he tells him, brings him up on the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, if you're the son, he keeps trying to put that doubt. You know, are you really the son of God? Are you really the- throw yourself down for it's written. See, the devil knows the word. It's written. He will give, com- he will command his angels concerning you. But that's not what the word meant. Yeah, that is written, but that's not what it was saying. And Jesus corrects him on. He's like, oh yeah, well, you know what? It's also written. You shouldn't put the Lord your God to test to the test. This is why we've got to know the word. Again, I'm in verse eight. Now the devil takes him to a very high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world, all the glory, which is already Jesus's anyways. He's just trying to trick him like he tries to trick us. And he's like, all this I'll give you if you'll just bow down and worship me after trying to produce doubt, doubt, and doubt, right? No, Jesus is like, no, I'm done. I'm all done. Be gone, Satan. I'm not having this conversation with you. Be gone. The word says, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. And then the devil left. That's pretty powerful. The devil was trying over and over to first insert doubt and then to get Jesus to apply the word in a way God never intended. And the last thing about the armor of God is to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, praying in the spirit at all times. We remain in prayer at all times. Does that mean 24 hours a day we're on our knees in the bedroom? No, we can't do that. That's not what that means, but be aware spiritually to what is going on around us in the natural. This is a very strong weapon. Be in prayer all times. Have your spirit in tune to what's going on around you. The spirit knows what we don't know. And when you are praying, and this is key, this is key here for working together with God to gain victory and fulfillment of that yes he gave you because the spirit knows what we don't know. And when we pray in the spirit, we line up with the will of God, right? Romans 8, 26 and 27 says the spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches the heart and knows what is in the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We don't know how to pray in every situation, but we don't want to get out of our yes. So if we pray in the spirit, we're communing with the spirit who then goes to the throne of God and communes with God who knows the yes, knows the will, and he reveals it to the spirit for us. And then the Holy Spirit continues to pray through us releasing by words of groaning the will of God in our lives. When I just don't know, or when I'm too connected to a situation in my heart, I pray in the spirit and I pray for the Holy Spirit to have his way. I trust that the Holy Spirit is at the throne of God, getting the blueprint from God and uttering through my prayers in the spirit, God's perfect yes. 
Not my opinions, not my thoughts, not my feelings, but in the spirit at all times. That's us working together through the Holy Spirit for fulfillment of the yes he gave us. All of these pieces work together. Missing one piece leaves your promises exposed to being devoured by the enemy. The whole armor is vital. You know, this is true, right? A football player, if they go, if in an NFL game, if they go out on the field without a helmet, but they have the whole rest of the uniform, is that okay? What about if they have everything on, but they forgot their shoulder pads? Is that okay? Or will they get injured? Are they taking a risk where they're really going to get hurt? Right? What if they just, they don't wear cleats? What if they go out there in flip-flops? You see what I'm saying? That looks ridiculous. That would look absolutely ridiculous to all of us. And we do it on a regular basis in our personal lives. If you're missing a piece of your armor, that's where the enemy's coming for. He doesn't care if he destroys you or he simply distracts you as long as he thwarts the yes of God for you. So are there things you know God has promised you, yet you've not seen them fulfilled in your life? You thought you'd already be there. You thought it would have already happened. We have to start with self and do that self-check, like I said earlier. Where did I go wrong? Where did I miss it? Did I miss it? Show me the truth, God. Show me the truth. Don't give permission and take it back. Don't lay something at the altar of God in your yes, at Jesus's feet, walk away pumped, and then get nervous and either try and sneak back in or bolt back in and grab back the very permission you just gave Jesus. Don't walk in hesitation. Don't walk in indecision. Don't waver. All of these are vital to seeing that yes fulfilled in our lives. The hesitation, the indecision, the wavering, all of that will cost you. And what it's going to cost you is time. God may give you another chance, yes, to come back around, yes, but it will have cost you time. Our yes will be tested to see the fulfillment of his yes in our lives. 